Hello, it's Kerry and Rachel. Rachel, what are you doing? You got all the good words. <laughs> Welcome to Dirty Vegetables, a podcast where we discuss hot topics in the vegan world, exposing the dirt on animal industries and sharing our complete adoration for vegetables. 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 Welcome back everyone to Dirty Vegetables. Today's episode is called A Taste Sensation. This episode is going to be looking at whether taste is primarily the factor that stops people from going vegan. When all is said and done, are people only deciding that they don't want to become a vegan because of the taste factor of meat and cheese? I'm excited for this episode because I feel like people don't really bring this up enough that it's really centered around taste. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's so simple, but actually pretty powerful because I I think that this really does influence people. This is what ultimately makes you choose what you're going to pick on the menu at the rest at the restaurant or what you're going to put in your basket at the supermarket. You're tasting it in your mind's mouth before so taste really does factor in big time with food choices. Absolutely. But before we get into it fully, how are you, Rachel? <laughs> I'm good. I'm sweating hard. I'm in it. I'm in Italy at the moment, um, but I was just in Amsterdam, which was a very, very pleasant, livable temperature. Very nice. Um, I had a wonderful time on bikes and exploring the canals and going to museums and checking out all the vintage shops and vegan food um but i'm i'm in italy now um and it's boiling it's like 40 degrees outside and it's just sweltering in the house out the house yeah i've never experienced temperature like it before climate change is real it's happening Mm. i'll tell you where isn't boiling where belfast really i noticed you're wearing shorts i am wearing shorts (laughs) right but it's not really sunny outside i've just decided that it's now summer and i'm going to embrace this um no matter what happens so the shorts are on they're on now i've, I've decided yeah summer and the shorts are on yeah do it i used to always do that i'm pretty sure i have this memory of us in first year of uni no it was second year of uni and we were living at polworth and it was like a sunny ish day in edinburgh and we were going to go to the meadows and i had on these like tiny denim short shorts and you were like rachel i can't believe you're wearing those like it's not it's not that hot like (laughs) and i was just like oh well i'm just gonna say sorry from the future because i totally understand now but yeah it's not warm in belfast but i actually just got back from a friend who just gave me a big box of homegrown mushrooms Mm. well she didn't home grow them but she got them from a local company called hardy growers uh, who grow them at their home so they're yellow oyster mushrooms and they look amazing it's like a big box of them and they're just ready to be made into something divine so my plan is to make a little recipe tonight with them and share it with everyone on the instagrams and on the website 
that's really exciting that's really exciting on on the topic of filming recipes um we're going to be leaving for the dolomite mountains with the van later on today and over the weekend we're going to be parked in a spot with the most breathtaking views so i have i have a plan now that i've got the little phone holding gizmo i'm gonna open up all the doors and have all this like amazing natural light coming into the van and then i'm gonna get like me capture me filming making a vegan dish with this incredible scenery in the background I can really visualize it it's gonna be great oh that sounds unreal I wish I could be there maybe you could use our dirty ingredient of the week oh look at that segue maybe you could what is the dirty (laughs) ingredient of the week it is miso paste miso paste I'm very excited about this one because I freaking love miso paste so some little facts about miso paste it actually means fermented beans which i think probably most people knew so it is actually soybeans fermented and it came from ancient china and then moved to japan by buddhist priests so they use salt and grains and soybeans and mix them together and it's actually a way of preserving the food So this is where miso came from, as a preservation tool. And back in the day, different classes would use different types of miso. So royalty would eat miso made with polished white rice, where the peasants would eat miso made with broken rice or millet. There's a few different types of miso, and I haven't actually tried them all. I haven't tried red miso, have you? Yeah, I think I had it in a brownie once in a really bougie coffee shop and it was very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, recently there's been a lot yeah. of sort of miso caramel combinations I've seen. That's sort of like a real fancy way to use miso. That must be with the polished white rice, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so miso, it comes from a little jar normally. Sometimes you can get it in a packet as well. It's used a lot in Asian cooking it really adds that umami flavor yeah on the topic of umami flavor I think when I first used miso which was in a ramen recipe which I'm going to link in the show notes actually because it's a great recipe it's from a book called 15 minute vegan and the recipes truly only take 15 minutes it's great Mm. Um, and yeah I made this ramen and it asked for miso paste and that was the first time I ever used it and I felt like it was this umami flavor that I'd been searching for I knew I tasted it in so many dishes and I always wondered, what is that extra element that it? they add? And it was really like quite a mind-blowing moment. Like, and I've used it so much ever since. It, yeah. I think umami is quite hard to describe because it's not something we really have in Western culture. It's a real Asian flavor. Yeah. I don't know if I fully understand what it means. I feel like it's a real saltiness and a real depth that you get. Because they say like soy sauce and miso can add that umami and they're quite salty flavors. And a person who likes to use miso paste a lot, can you guess who I'm going to (laughs) say? Could it be Fern? (laughs) Is that what you're going to say? Shout out to Fern Cotton. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) She uses it so much in her book, another recipe book that I'll put in the show notes on our website. She uses miso paste so much in her book, Happy Vegan, um, in so many different dishes from so many different countries. And it really adds that pizzazz. It adds that depth of flavor that I think a lot of people don't think you can achieve with vegan food. 
it's kind of like the sort of flavor that people think you're needing to like cook things for hours on end and have the juices of pork suckling in or something I don't know but miso paste really gives that that depth um and Fern really understands that with her recipes the the dal the dal is a great example of that I think also a great example is there's one of the recipes which is miso butter beans oh it's with yeah quinoa it's, it's amazing it's quite salty because of the miso there's like tahini in it ginger parsley boom it's unreal but one thing I always thought about miso paste is that it's really salty right and I thought there must be a really high salt content it must ca- must not be that good for you obviously too much salt is never good but actually I read about this in the how not to die book by Michael Greger yep MD um that book's such a good book it's really quite dry i'll say but if you're into research and hardcore facts it's yeah. a really really good one he talks about how the anti-carcinogenic effects of the soy actually counteract the high salt content so whilst you are eating a lot of salt it's it's rebalanced with the the really beneficial soy that's in miso paste and it's the same thing for the high blood pressure as well because salt can be very bad for high blood pressure but the soy actually counteracts the negative effects because it's so good for you. And yeah, miso paste as well is full of vitamins and minerals and probiotics so it's a really, really good ingredient to have in in the pantry. I never say that word pantry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the pantry. And you only need a tiny wee bit when you're cooking as well. Yeah, although I tend to put more of a heavy spoon myself. But yeah, the the recipe normally calls for just a little bit. I've overdone it in the past and I learnt my lesson. Fair. For sure. <laughs> anyway, I think this leads us on perfectly to what we're talking about because we're talking about yeah. taste and how important taste is. Yeah, taste in terms of consumer choices. So our first point that we're going to delve into is... Ultimately, are people not vegan due to the taste of dairy slash meat? I think when it boils down to mm-hmm. uh, taste is the most governing or mm, wrong word, most influential factor when it comes to people's choices. I think people like to argue that they're coming from a nutritional point of view when they decide to not be vegan. For example, they'll play the protein card or the bit of vitamin B12 card. But I think ultimately what when it's when all is said and done, it's the taste of the meal and what they think they're gonna be foregoing if they go vegan. I think there's this common misconception, and it really is a misconception in my eyes, that if you're going plant-based, if you're going vegan, you're having to sacrifice a lot when it comes to the taste of the food you're eating. Um, and people just aren't prepared to put up with that. Maybe you've worked a busy day at work or you're a busy I can't think of another example. Can you think of another example of busyness? A busy day with the kids? A busy day with the kids and you're just, that evening meal is kind of people's solace. It's their downtime, it's their I'm at home now, I'm relaxing now. And if they think they're going to be cut, being cut short or they're going to be missing out somehow on not having meat, then I think that's what stops them from being vegan. 
Yeah, I think what for me, think? when people argue veganism with me, they always say they couldn't do it because of the taste. I remember I used to work in a restaurant and we had a menu tasting one day. And I went to it. I, I think I could only eat one dish. I kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, but everyone was passing around these big plates of duck and all different meats, all these lovely animals. And I remember one girl afterwards said in front of the whole table, I am so glad I'm not vegetarian. And then everyone laughed at the table. And this was sort of the beginning of my vegan venture. And I didn't really know what to say. I was just like embarrassed. Like everyone just thinks this is some kind of joke, you know? And it's funny because the same girl said to me, like a week later I'm really trying to cut down my meat intake I'm doing meat free Mondays and all that like how can you say that just Mm. to get a laugh how is that a laughing matter for one but also it all centered around taste that was the only reason um simply because that tasted so good I'm glad I'm not vegetarian I've had a lot of comments similar to that when that topic comes up when someone who's not interested in veganism yeah that's always what it comes back to. I couldn't go vegan because of the taste, essentially. Yeah, no, I think that's really true, especially when you think about like fine dining restaurants, like when they're curating like a tasting menu, I think that every single dish on that tasting menu is kind of centered around the meat of the dish. And it's kind of seen as more of a culinary experience to be able to eat different meats, different animals, um, it's more of a luxury it's more like decadent it's more of an experience whereas if you just had vegetables like oh boring like (laughs) why would you bother spending money on that why would you bother going out to have that experience yeah absolutely and I think also a big factor you need to think about is the addictiveness of it all especially cheese so cheese actually it was one of the things I found very hard to give up because it is actually addictive. There's cassian in cheese, mm. which make it makes it an addictive substance. So what really worked for me is I just give up cheese completely for one month. And I just didn't yeah. crave it anymore. It was just getting it out of my system. As soon as it was out of there, I just didn't crave it the same. I think sometimes it might seem for other people to look at us, think, oh, it's so easy for you to say, yeah, just go off it, whatever. But it's not an it's not easy. It's absolutely not easy. And that a big part of that is the taste. You're just so immersed in specific cultures and eating specific things. And just so, yeah. eating is such a big part of life. It's like what most of my life is centered around. Oh, yeah. Like, what do we have for dinner? What are we gonna have for breakfast tomorrow? You know, it's always in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, that kind of body brain mind ba- mind blah, that mind body connection as well. It's so true. Um like the gut brain communication is really real and um the more of a food that we eat, the more prevalent the biomes are in our gut that are necessary to break down that food, the more that sends signals to your brain, the more you crave that food. But the opposite can be said for or not even the opposite, the same can be said for vegan food, the more that you're eating kind of whole food, plant-based food, like the more you actually crave it, I think that kind of big step towards vegetables seems unappetizing at first because people see vegetables as kind of the side of the dish, 
but the more and more you eat them the more the biome in your gut is present for them and the more you actually crave and enjoy eating them so it is it is a process it's kind of like a weaning off process but you reach a point where you you genuinely don't crave the food anymore um and also this was mentioned in eating animals should we stop by can't remember his name someone saffron i think another great book um and he talked about how meat actually numbs our taste buds like the quality of meat nowadays is like nothing compared to what it used to be and the amount of preservatives and salt and fat like meat is basically pumped with this kind of brine to make it taste like what we think meat tastes like and that literally numbs our taste buds and stops us from enjoying more nuanced flavors so it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy the more bacon and cheese and chicken and steak we eat the more our taste buds are numbed and the more only that will satisfy us it's like an addictive cycle that we're in yeah absolutely and I totally think that like I love a big bowl of vegetables I love it yeah even with something like mango you know recently I've got really into eating frozen mango like literally just out of the freezer and now every night I'm like oh I'm really craving some mango right now (laughs) as soon as your body starts to recognize that enjoyment then you just want it more and more and that happens with good things as well as bad things I just think we'll probably always have those people who will challenge you those butt bacon melters and they're always going to be there it's just about yeah how do you change the conversation but what about you Rachel, what do you think about fake meats? Do you think they can satisfy that meat craving? Well, yeah, I, I personally do. I think that the technology that's going into them now is absolutely remarkable. And there are certain places where I've eaten fake meat, for example, vegan junk food bar or even Wagamama, their new range is just insane. And it's just such an incredible way to substitute. So if you're like not sure what recipes to make at home or if you're in a restaurant and you're not sure what to choose, you can literally just go down the same avenue as what you would normally choose. I normally enjoy chicken, therefore have the chicken substitute. I normally enjoy beef, therefore have the beef substitute. It's just such an easy no-brainer. Like, And they actually taste good and they... The texture is really similar and I think texture is a huge factor when it comes to food preferences as well. So I'm a bit conflicted on this point because I feel like they can satisfy the meat craving. It can satisfy it to an extent but I think the processed meats are actually really good and that's because the processed meats is so processed that it's very easy to replicate through processed vegan foods like nuggets or things like that Um, and there's things like these little chicken kievs they have like a garlicky butter in the middle and they're really really good i really enjoy them because they are quite processed but i think when you're moving over to the territory of like a chicken breast or an actual steak now i never used to eat steak anyway so it that was not a problem for me to drop that but I have tried the fake steaks and they just don't really hit the same. <laughs> They're not the same. I think it's all about recognizing it as something that isn't going to be exactly the same. I think at the very beginning, it's really good to 
move on to those meats, fake meats, because your body's expecting it. And it's a good way of making meal ideas because I know in that transitionary phase, you can't think of what to make. It's like, what do I eat? I think everyone went through that stage. It's quite confusing. But you definitely get past that threshold where you don't need that meat anymore. Like if you have like an oven food day and you just want some nuggets, it's great. But I used to make like spag ball and use vegan mints, which actually was really good. But now I've just switched that for lentils and now I much prefer the lentils. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think the fake meat is a good kind of segue into the ultimate transition, which is a whole food plant based diet. Like that's where it's at when we look at our body and what is the best diet we can feed ourselves for our health and wellness whole food plant-based is the way to go like I'm fully convinced of that now after reading how not to die like the argument is made over and over again by like placebo based double blind trials where people are having whole food plant-based diets to treat all sorts of different things like cancer diabetes all sorts and and it can prevent and reverse so much harm so I think that's where we're going from to from a health point of view um and i think people are conscious of health even people that are eating meat and they're not really thinking too much about a whole food plant-based diet i think health is on their their radar because i just wanted to mention um this study that i read which basically um says that people are aware like people that are eating meat are aware of all the reasons why veganism is good in terms of health, in terms of the environment, in terms of animals. But the the one thing that stops them from turning vegan is the taste. So I think we can interpret that as that health is on people's radar and they are aware of it and they do care about it. Um, So it's, it's an interesting position that vegan campaigners are kind of in now where the people that they're trying to convince are actually aware of all the reasons why they should become vegan but that that transition is just too hard but vegan meat can be the transition it can and well we've talked about vegan meat substitutes but what about the cheese now the cheese (laughs) is a thing that i said before was really hard to give up because it's addictive it's actually got cassian in it but until recently, I didn't know if it could be done. You know, the ones you get in the supermarket, I actually quite like them. You know, just putting them on beans. <laughs> Always beans. Yeah. But it's similar to the fake meats. That transitionary phase is kind of over. And they're just, they're a good substitute. And I like the taste of them. But to get that real strong cheese flavour is at the next level. And I think we have found the winning cheese, haven't we, Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> we have found the cheese of all vegan cheeses and it's a brand of Belfast called Nourish Good Food it's by a girl called Anto she just started making it I assume in her kitchen and it's a really small business but it's really starting to grow you see it popping up in more and more shops and it how good is it Rachel? Oh my gosh it's the best cheese ever even when comparing it to normal cheese for me I just think it's the winner I couldn't believe it when I tried it. We actually tried it for the first time together in Malaga. Kerry was visiting me in my van in Malaga and she brought over this little package of cheese and it just blew my mind. It was incredible, like pure craftsmanship. 
I think she uses like live cultures, the things she would use in kombucha and stuff. So there's that fermented flavor. Yeah. Kind of similar to the miso paste. There's maybe like an umami flavor in there. Yeah, it feels pungent. Like it's got that pungent. Yeah. There's that fermenting flavor. Mmm. It's something that you really lack in the fake cheeses yeah, you buy in the supermarket. I would agree. We really want to get her on the podcast at some point. That's one of our goals. Yeah, I know. Shout out. What's her name again? Anto. Anto. Yeah. Shout out to Anto. We would love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> it will happen. I'm convinced. When there's a will, there's a way. So we've spoken about fake meat and how it can be a good transition Um towards veganism but it is worth mentioning that the fake meat isn't always healthier and in some cases it can be uh, more unhealthy than the meat counterparts it's typically filled with a lot of preservatives and flavorings to try and give it that meaty flavor and unfortunately these aren't always good for you although it's worth reading the package because i think a lot of brands now are making a lot of effort to make them healthy So some researchers uh, looked at the nutrient value of 37 varieties of plant-based ground meat to assess the calories, protein, fat, vitamin and mineral content. And they they came up with some conclusions. So I'll read a few of them out. So in terms of calories, um, when we're looking at lean and plant-based burgers, they've got around about the same calories. But if we're looking at non-lean beef burgers, they've got a lot more calories. So in terms of saturated fat, um, your plant-based burgers have 4% of recommended daily value, whereas ground beef has 20 to 30% of your recommended value. Um, in terms of fiber, the plant-based meats come up tops. They've got 15%, whereas ground beef has 0%. And in plant-based burgers contain less protein, zinc, and vitamin B12 than ground beef. So that's the area where um, beef burgers come up tops, really, because they have more protein, zinc, and vitamin B12. And these are essential for our health. But in terms of saturated fat and calories the vegan burgers are much better um and also fiber the vegan burgers are much better but it's ultimately if you want the best diet for your health um you should you should see these burgers as a transitionary item anyway and they're moving you towards a whole food plant-based diet i think it's just worth knowing that they're not always good for you i think people sometimes think that fake meats are actually a health item but they're not a health item they're just a substitute and in some cases they're worse for you than beef so I just think it's worth mentioning that yeah I think what you mentioned before about the burgers like check the labels I've come across burgers that are fake meats and they're not really meaty you know they've got their bean burgers and if you look at the ingredients a lot of the time they're really quite clean they're made out of beetroot and greens and very whole foods and if you do have more time you can make your own burgers I remember one time I made this burger and it was like a curry sort of chickpea burger and it actually was from HelloFresh now HelloFresh is not a very good brand for vegan meals I must say Um, but the there's one called grubby.com and if you're mainland um, UK not Northern Ireland because they just decided to exclude that um Shout out to Grubby, sort that out. <laughs> but if you are in the mainland, 
grubby is really good but I made these ones from HelloFresh and they were like chickpea curry burgers and they had mango chutney in it and they were unreal like they were nice. so good we've made them again um, after having it out of HelloFresh and those were just like mashed up chickpeas and a few herbs and spices fried in the pan so it is easier than you think yeah. another thing to bring up Fern again she has these sausages in Happy Vegan and they're made out of black beans and they were really really good and they, they don't taste like a normal I don't even like that word normal but they no. don't taste like a sausage mm-hmm. but they're really delicious in their own right yeah no that's nice I think that's a nice little uh segue I keep on using that word I never use that word in normal life <laughs> segue um into our final point which is um we have become more foodie since being vegan and we'll start that off with cooking cooking has become far more creative since being vegan i think that that's a hundred percent true for me like my passion for cooking just exploded when i started becoming vegan i saw it far more as a creative challenge and i found it really fun to showcase how amazing vegan food can be um and i got way more excited flicking through vegan cookbooks and watching vegan influencers like gaz we've mentioned him before but i literally can't mention him enough i think he is a hero in the vegan world because he's like a proper like french culinary trained chef who's worked in all sorts of restaurants and he's turned all of his attention now to vegan food and his youtube which we'll put in our show notes is just insane where he shows how incredible vegan food can be so i just think that i've come become way more excited about food in general but especially about cooking food hosting dinner parties um yeah it's just become way more exciting and there's just no guilt involved it's kind of like it it wins in every element because it's like I've made this incredible meal and it's good for me and it's good for the environment and no animals have been killed in the process it's just very satisfying from that regard how do you feel yeah I'm exactly the same like I just spend so much more time in the kitchen because I just really enjoy it when I was younger I still would have cooked but I wouldn't have loved it as much as I love it now. The amount of herbs and spices and random ingredients I have in my cupboard. Now, sometimes you don't use these ingredients again, and I think it's something that puts a lot of people off because there are a lot of random ingredients. There's some vegan cookbooks out there that are really obscure, especially if you've just started to go vegan. I've got one cookbook uh, that someone bought me for a present, and... I I have not cooked one thing out of it because it's ridiculous how obscure the ingredients are. It's just impossible. So that can be off-putting, but there's so many gems out there. I think if you're just starting to go vegan or you're just starting to learn more about it, that you'll maybe even try cook some of the things that we're putting out. And we're really hoping that through this podcast we can you know, help people learn a little bit more about specific ingredients and how to use them and why you're using them. Because when I was going vegan, I feel like these tips could have been really, really helpful. And I think they're quite easy, digestible and not on these obscure recipes. When you cook a vegan meal that you've cooked from scratch, you've cooked all the veg, you've made all the sauces, which is something that I never used to do was make my own sauce. And now I love it because as soon as you stock up the pantry with all these different 
um, sauces and marinades, then you've got them and they last for ages and you can make all these different sweet and salty sauces. But once you've made this amazing big bowl, it feels so nourishing and you feel really accomplished. It's almost like you feel your cells rejuvenating. Yeah, it reminds me of a quote. Eat your food as medicine, otherwise you'll be eating medicine as food. It's nice. That's such a good quote. It's really nice. Nourishes you on a cellular level when you've had a good whole food plant-based mm. meal that you've made from scratch. Like, no totally. preservatives, no crap in it. It's just divine. Mm, yes. The next point we're going to talk about, or the final point we're going to talk about, is eating out as a vegan I think eating out has become way more exciting kind of for the same reasons but I think that it's really exciting when I go to a vegan only restaurant and I'm just like flabbergasted at how incredible professional chefs can create vegan food um it's really exciting and it's just you know I think a lot of people think that it's a shame for vegans if they go to like a standard restaurant and they're looking at the menu and there's only one thing they can have when there's only one option on the menu um as a vegan instead of seeing that as a a shame I I get excited because I'm like okay well that's what I'm having and let's see how good it is I think when you can choose anything from the menu like uh, people spend an inordinate amount of time staring at the menu trying to decide exactly what they want it kind of it kind of takes that choice away from you and it's like well this is what I'm having and let's see how good it is and when it's good it's really exciting because it's like I could only have one thing and it's actually amazing and then obviously if you want the excitement of choosing whatever you want from a menu more and more vegan only restaurants are popping up and they are epic they are showcasing how incredible vegan food can be especially in Amsterdam I was just there for a week and the vegan scene is insane and it's just so exciting I feel like that's the word I keep on coming back to where it's like wow like no animal products in this at all and it tastes this good like yeah I just think in terms of being a foodie since being vegan I just think eating out has become way more exciting for me what do you think so I feel a little bit differently to you I love going into an all vegan restaurant I love having that choice of like 20 things which we normally don't have those choices now I've been into meat serving restaurants and there's been maybe four or five options and there's some really really good ones out there you just need to find them there's one close to me called Cypress Avenue it's got a full vegan menu it's in Belfast and they put so much effort into it and you just feel like you belong there I think sometimes I feel like I don't belong in these meat serving restaurants because there's like one option and there are restaurants out there that really make an effort I think it might be a marketing thing or maybe there's a vegan that works there or a vegan in the kitchen that has a little bit of influence. But yeah, yeah, I feel like when you go to the restaurants that there's maybe one or two options that generally it's not very good options. It's kind of half-assed, thrown together because they don't really know how to cook good vegan stuff. Not always, but that's mostly my experience, Mm. I would say. But I think even in terms of marketing... I think a lot of restaurants are missing out because they're cutting out such a large demographic. If you have a group of five friends and one of them's vegan and there's no vegan options, they're not going to go to that restaurant if they're good friends. You know, know, I've known chefs in the past that just will downright not cook vegan stuff. And they're just, 
it's so stupid because you're cutting out so many people get over the ego yeah that's such a good point stubbornness and maybe a little bit of guilt and cater for the widest audience that you can it's just good business yeah that's a really good point actually yeah it's like if there's just one vegan in the group that doesn't mean that they're still going to go there and that one vegan's going to suffer no the entire group probably isn't going to go so that's like a really a really good point and also veganism isn't just the one friend anymore it's probably two or friend two or three friends out of a group of five maybe not that many but definitely two because it's like in the current epoch we're in veganism is becoming more and more trendy it's a mainstream lifestyle now um and you know some of the big chain restaurants are starting to catch on like wagamama's i think is such a good example of that like i think more than 50 percent of their menu is vegan like yeah i just think the future of eating vegan food out is really coming along and if if the same amount of attention was put to non-vegan dishes if that attention was now turned on to vegan dishes i just think like the sky is the limit but i think we could really see just extraordinary expressions of creativity and craft in vegan food if these chefs are now given these new parameters they have to work within i think the ones that are actually passionate about food and about cooking are going to step up to the plate and they're going to make some masterpieces it makes me think about the vegan only boutique hotel and restaurant i stayed at in pit lockery again we'll mention it in the show notes um it's a great place i really recommend Um, And they did these scallops that were made out of the stem of an oyster mushroom. And I was just like, come on, come on. They were insane. I couldn't believe it. And the chef came into like the room, the dining room at the end of the tasting spectacular. Um, And people were asking her so many questions like, how on earth did you do that? And oh my God, the texture of that was insane. And you could tell that she was just like, see, it can be done. It can be done. To sum up, so the theme, the overall theme of this episode was, and the episode was called a taste sensation, which is a term I really enjoy. I use that term when I eat something that I really, really, really like. Um, the taste sensation, and we we're looking at the taste of food in terms of veganism and how this influences people in terms of what they buy, um, what they eat out, what they cook, etc., etc., and ultimately, can vegan food be tastier than meat? What would you say, Carrie? Yes, I absolutely think that vegan food can be tastier. I really believe that there's so many more benefits to it in with nourishing you. You're not harming any animals, but I think if you're starting transition, it can be a big jump. Um, and just don't go too hard on yourself you know it's important to take it at your own pace and don't listen to those people who are like oh you're not a real vegan you had a bit of cheese or something yeah you know what you're doing is the right thing and if you're making these choices these are good choices in so many ways and you can truly make a taste sensation from the most healthy nourishing foods out there (laughs) what about you Rachel (laughs) nice well, I think people are are very attached to the taste when it ter- when it comes to their food choices. They're very attached to the taste of meat, um, and I think that fake meats can really bridge the gap. And the there's more and more growing awareness now with 
um, the reasons why people are vegan. I think there's nowhere to hide anymore and a lot of people now understand why it's an important lifestyle choice and why we should all be moving towards it. So I think that if you're listening to this and you're not vegan and you feel like you could never do it because you're going to be foregoing something because of the taste, I just don't think that is true at all. Take it from us. We're massive foodies and we use these fake products as a great substitute for a while and now we're pretty much completely whole food plant-based and I've enjoyed food more now than ever before and I feel better now than ever before. I really truly do. My hair has never looked better and my skin's glowing and I just feel healthy and it makes me realize that I didn't feel healthy before. So I really think taste is important but you are not sacrificing anything if you become a vegan. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope that you'll tell us what you think. Are you vegan? Do you miss a taste of meat? Do you not miss a taste of meat? Are you trying to transition and you're afraid of losing that connection to taste or going out? What are your worries? What are your worries and concerns? Write to us and Carrie and Rachel. Yeah, uh, follow us over at Dirty Vegetables on Instagram or you can visit our website at www.dirtyvegetables.com with Zeds. And if you would like to email us, you can email us any questions at dirtyvegetables at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time. See you next week. Bye.